All right. Whoa, there we go. This one works for sure. Okay, so so happy again that you're here. Let's pray. We're going to start a brand new series today called Address the Mess. And we're going to address some messes today. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you brought us here today. And I pray, God, that as we hear your word, that you would do something special in our hearts and in our minds as we uh, become open to the idea that you want to be a part of not just the good things in our life, but you also want to be a part of those messy areas and that we don't have to pretend for you or act for you, but we can just be who you've called us to be. We are thankful for that today. In your name, amen. So today we're starting a brand new series, probably for the next three or four weeks. I might extend it till Easter. We don't know. We'll see where God takes us. But I want to start off with this word. And then tell me if you've heard this word or you know what it means. The word is hot mess. Anybody know what a hot mess is? Hot mess. Don't point at your significant other. Don't do that. That, that would not be kind. Um, but a hot mess. So now the word has evolved. And I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with the story. But in the 1800, does anybody know what hot mess meant? Anybody? It was a military thing. It was when they wanted to go eat at, at the mess hall. And, and the food was hot. They'd go to hot mess. So that's where you went for that. And then in the 1900s, uh, it was used... Um, to describe, also a military term still, but used to describe like a hot situation, okay, so that they were going to get ambushed or they were under fire, it'd be a hot mess, or they got caught up in a hot mess. And then in the 21st century, with the evolution of the word hot, okay, it started taking on a brand new meaning, okay, and in the 21st century, uh, it's an attractive disaster, an attractive disaster, someone whose life is obviously a mess or in disarray, but somehow remains functional and remains somewhat attractive in spite of the mess. Well, isn't that the goal, right? Isn't that the goal? That's what we, we all aspire to be a hot mess. On the, on the outside, everything is fantastic, but nobody would ever know because nobody gets to see really what's behind closed doors because we are functional. So to the naked eye, we are working fine. Our children are dressed well, our teeth and our hair, everything is perfect. But on the inside, we know that we are a hot mess. So what kind of mess are we going to talk about this for for this season? Well, there's a bunch of messes. Maybe you're in in, uh, the idea for right now is try to get everybody uh, on the same page. So relational messes, we're all familiar with relational messes. Uh, Maybe you're dating someone and you would say, well, my dating life is a mess or my living situation is a mess or maybe my marriage is a little bit messy or my family or my kids or my in-laws are a mess. Or maybe you look at your bank account, look at your finances, look at the amount of money coming in and the amount of money your wife is spending. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. So the amount of money that's coming in and the amount of money that's leaving and you're like, there has to be some change because my finances, if not attended to promptly, will be a hot mess. Or, or maybe you look in the mirror, you take off your shirt if you're a guy, right? I don't know. Okay. And then you look and you're like, I'm a hot mess. And you know you need to go to the gym, but you don't because of whatever reason. But, or maybe you look at your, your habits in your life and you're like, man, my, my habits are a hot mess. I wake up at 12 p.m. Who does that? Who wakes up at 11 a.m. still? Don't, yeah, one guy. We got one guy. Thank you for your honesty. He works till 3 in the morning. That's why. That's why. And so maybe, maybe you have some past times or maybe uh, uh, what started off in secret and now has become, ha- has become a habit and you find yourself in a mess. 
Uh, some of us, we make our own messes, okay, on purpose. Uh, you know that whatever you're doing is going to lead to a mess, but you prepare for it, you plan for it, you buy airline tickets for it, uh, and you plan your weekends around hot messes. Do you remember spring break that year? You planned that. You purposely said, I am going to go and have a hot mess of a weekend. Right? We plan our weekends sometime like that, sometimes like that. Sometimes we were warned that the way we were going, the path we were taking was going to lead to a mess, but we decided not to heed that advice, usually because it came from a mom and dad. And what do mom and dads know? They've only lived twice as much as we have. What could they possibly know? But we ignored mom and dad. And maybe you're, you're, you're looking at me now and you're like, well, how, if I have to be honest, uh, the mess right now is internal. Uh, my, my emotions are a mess. I'm anxious. I'm frustrated. I get angry and I don't know why. Okay. I don't know why sometimes I just look at my husband and I know I'm supposed to love him, but I want to kick him in the nose. And I don't know why that is. And so some, some, of, some of you got dragged into somebody else's mess. It was not even your mess. You inherited a mess. Maybe you married into a mess. Your life was fine. You met somebody and their life was messy and you inherited a mess. For some of us, maybe you're in between messes. Maybe you clear the last mess, mess up and now you're in between messes. How many of you know that you're a decision away from making a mess? Does anybody? Yeah, you're, you're one decision away. Now, a little bit of this series is inspired by my garage. Okay, so when I look at my garage, I see a mess. It's not a hot mess. It's just a pure mess. And I just still don't know how to tackle that mess. And if somebody would help me, I would appreciate that. Um, but we are all genetically engineered toward messes. Our parents were messes. Sometimes our job environment is a mess. The good news is, though, that there's always someone whose life is a bigger mess than ours. And no, that's not, that's not nice. That's not, the, that's not the good news. The good news is it's not just you. The good news is it's not just you. We are living a human experience. And if you uh, take the time to look to the left and to the right and just see past the surface of most people's life, you will encounter the fact that most people's life are in some kind of mess. So what do we do with the mess? Do we ignore the mess? Do we address the mess? Do we continue to add to the mess? So one of the reasons that, that we should be very careful on the way we criticize people and the way we look at somebody's life on the surface and make judgment calls is because we don't know what mess they're coming out of or going into. We don't know what's how We watched the movie. This Saturday. Quincy, what's the name of that movie that we saw? Wonder. The, anybody seen The Wonder? It's about this little kid. His face is deformed. Nobody. Okay, I recommend that it's nice, okay? It's a good movie we saw with the kids. Uh, in, the movie, in the movie, there was this one character, and I'll tell you the story and I'll move on. Okay, there was this one character that, that I kind of had an issue with, okay? So this character was a friend of this other character all growing up, and all of a sudden she stops being her friend, and we don't know why. And so I'm upset because... I'm like, you're just a bully. And I, I, how do you, how you grow up with somebody as best friends, give them no kind of explanation and not don't talk to them. I just don't like that. And so I had an issue and I was looking at my wife like, why are we watching this movie? Why are we putting our kids, why are we putting our children through this? I don't want them to learn that. But the point was that this other character had a story behind why she stopped talking to this girl. But I didn't know this, I didn't know that until the very end. And so at the very end, I felt stupid because I was like all along, she was a nice person. She was just going through a mess in her life that we were unaware. And isn't that true with 
All of us. We're all living in this human experience, and we all are going through mess. And I say sometimes church people, like myself, can be overtly critical of somebody else's mess because we don't know what they're going through. You can really understand, you can't really understand why they do the things that they do and and say the things that they say until you know the mess they are in. And this is why we should look in the mirror before we judge people. We should look at ourselves and say, if we have anything in common, it's the fact that we all have messes. Religious people, Christian people, does not matter, non-Christian people. We share that human experience of going through mess. And one of the things that we should do as a result is take a step back when we're looking at people's lives. And rather than judging why their kids are dressed the way that they are or judging why their kids smell the way that they do. And I could tell you a story about a smelly kid, but I'm not going to. I'm going to move on. But rather than judging the situation, you take a step back and ask the question, what mess are they coming out of? Jesus addresses this in Matthew chapter 5 where where he says, First, take the plank out of your own eyes. So before you judge, take the plank that you'll be able to see clearly the other person. And it is why we need one another. It is why we need one another. It's rare to meet people who were able to clean up their life and their mess without people around them. So if you find yourself alone and you find yourself in in a mess, I'm here to tell you that with people, it's much easier. Having people in your life that can help you through and out of that mess is helpful. Now, let me digress just for a second. Last week I talked about uh, some of the things, some of the catalysts of our faith, some of the things that make our faith grow. And one of them was circumstances, right? It was pivotal circumstances, those things that happen in our life that we have no control over but that can point us towards God or away from God. So today I want to piggyback off of that thought for just a moment. And I want to make this statement. Christians believe that the mess that brings us together is the very mess that brought God near to us. I'm going to say it again. The very mess that brings us together as a humanity is the same mess that brought God near to us. The Bible, if if you believe in the Bible and you're a Christian, us Christians, we believe, uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, the whole world, that he sent his son into this mess that we called life to be there with us. And as a response, uh, and his response to humanity's mess was like no other, okay? Most people, when they thought of God, they expected a judge. They expected somebody like Judge Judy who sat at their throne and said, uh, hell, heaven, with, with no rhyme or no reason, but just because he is God. But the reality is that when Jesus came, he came and he showed a very different side of who God was. And he said, if you're going to think about God, think of him as a father, as an Abba father. Think about that dynamic when you think, when you think of God. Don't just think judge, but think father. Uh, and, and so his response was full of grace and full of mercy, something that humanity was not yet used to because everything until that point had been doom and gloom. And Jesus brought with him grace and mercy, and nobody could identify it. Nobody realized that this was God except John the Baptist, but he was a little weird and eccentric, right? And even the, the people of his time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those people who studied the law and their total uh, goal in life was to keep all the commandments in the book of the law, these people didn't see Jesus coming. And as a result, had part in his crucifixion. 
But then you have somebody like Paul, and then Paul walks into the pages of history as somebody who was trying to stomp out Christianity at the beginning. He did not believe that, that Christ was who he said he was. He didn't believe in the, situa- in the resurrection, and he had an encounter with Jesus. And all of a sudden, he goes from being somebody who persecutes Christians, he goes to somebody who, is, who now planted and started more churches than most people ever do. And we're writing over half of the new testament and this whole this whole thing of god coming to earth and being around among men uh happens so quickly and the but the mess that humanity found itself in is a lens is a lens through which we can discover god if you hear anything today the mess that we all experience in whatever categories whatever part of your life is the mess through is the lens through which we begin to discover God. And so now Paul writes this letter to the church, and this is going to be our scripture for today. He writes this letter to the, to the church in, in Rome, and this is what he says to that. Now, I'm going to break it down a little bit because uh, the Apostle Paul was a smart, educated man, and some of the things he said uh, were a little uh, difficult to understand, so I'm going to do my best to break it down for you. So in Romans chapter 3, verse 19, you can turn on your Bibles to look up at the screen. It says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Okay, so let me say that again. Now we know that whoever, that we know that whatever the law says, uh, it says to those who are under the law. So, so who's under the law? Whoever places him or herself under the law. So let me give you an example. As an American citizen, I put myself under the American law. Okay, if I'm going to be an American citizen, I need to abide by the laws of the land. All right, so I'm putting myself underneath the law. So now I am accountable to the law. But you think somebody in Russia, do you think the people in Russia are accountable to the United States laws? No, right? Or somebody in Colombia, right? Or somebody in the Dominican Republic? Not really. You are under the law if you decide to be a part of that particular nation. Now, students are under the law. In, in my school, they're under their student code of conduct, right? Each student has to sign that they will follow the student code of conduct. And when they don't follow the law, then they come see me, right? And then the way, when they come see me, I hold them accountable to the law that they said that they were going to follow if they wanted to be part of the public school system. Now, you have a choice. You don't have to be. You don't have to be part of the public school system. But if you are, you have to put yourself underneath this law. People visiting other countries, if you, take, uh, if you go to Mexico, you go to Cancun, now you're under their laws, right? And so you come under their laws. Christians place themselves under the law of Christ, which is love God above all else and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the law of Christ. I know maybe if this is your first time in a long time, uh, you, you, you think of church as a bunch of do's and don'ts. I'm here to tell you that Jesus summed it all up into two commands. And it was love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And you can't do one without the other. You can't just love God and not love his people. Right? That's like you uh, smacking around my kids and then expecting to be okay with me. No, 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 no. Make things right with my child and then you and me could be okay. Right? Uh, so most people think I'm just okay with God and then treat people like bad. Right? You can't do that. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It has to be both. So that is the law that us Christians decide to submit ourselves under. So if you're considering becoming a Christian or you're titty-tottering, how do you say that? 
teeter-tottering. That's the word. I said a bad word, didn't I? It's okay. You can edit that out. Right, so, so the point is you have to decide if this is something that you want. We believe also that there is a universal law that is written in the hearts of all men. We believe, Christians believe, that there is a, a universal law. That's why people that are not Christians or don't believe in God, they say some things like, man, that, that shouldn't be that way. That shouldn't be that way. Nobody, nobody ought to do that. People aren't, they, they shouldn't say that. People should, shouldn't be like that to children. People shouldn't treat other people that way. Where does that come from? Where does that sense of responsibility, conscience, if you will, where does that originate? Well, we believe that it comes from God. And we believe, though, that there is this universal law. And you experience this as, well, like I said, everybody should do this. Or people shouldn't do that. Or I, even I should do this. Or I shouldn't do that. And then there's and then we all, all religious, religious or not, say the strangest things, right? When we are, when we have these oughts or ought nots, we say these things when we don't meet our own standard. We say what? I'm not perfect, right? Because I'm not perfect to the standard that I set for myself. Let's put the Bible to the side, right? Just, just our own personal standards. We say, you know what, I should be healthy. I should eat healthy, but I don't. I should save. I shouldn't spend more than, than, I, than I make, but I don't. I should treat my spouse this way, but I don't. I should treat my children this way, but I don't. These things should be important to me, but they aren't. See, sometimes we don't even meet our own human standard, let alone God's. God's are, are easy to say, hard to do, love God and love your neighbor. But we have this internal internal compass and I wonder where does that come from where does that need to address the mess come from we all experience we all said but nobody's perfect and when you say that you're saying something much more profound that you might that, that you might think when you say I'm not perfect you are acknowledging that there is a perfect that you are not when you say, I'm not perfect or nobody's perfect, you are acknowledging that there is a perfect that nobody is. Does that make sense? Are you following me? When you say, man, you know, I, I should have done that, but man, how, nobody's perfect. Okay, cool. And if you don't believe in God, then that will point you to the fact that there is a standard that you are holding yourself to that nobody ever told you about. And my question is, whose standard is that? You have some theory or explanation about where this perfect that you fall short from originates. And Christians do too. We believe that that's God, right? That's the standard. Paul keeps saying. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. So that every mouth will be silenced. It's the idea that when we realize that we fall short of God's standards, we should shut up. When we realize that we all are in the same boat, rather than pointing the finger, I should look at myself in the mirror and say, Ahab, you too. Before I said, hey, you should and you shouldn't and why do you and why don't you, you should ask the question yourself, why don't I, why, why, why don't I? And we should always take a step back because we are all living this human experience with God and, 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 and in our faith and in our trust, and God is saying, listen, every mouth, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God, none of us keeps God's law. 
none of us keep our own if we put the Bible to the side. Nobody keeps our, their own personal uh, law, if you would, right? Or thou shalt or thou shalt not. We don't. We all fall short. Christian believe, Christians believe that we are accountable to God when we fall short because he is behind the law that is created. So the reason that, that Christians feel the way that they do and feel that, man, I should do that or I shouldn't that is because God created the standard. But if God didn't, let's say God didn't and you created the standard. That's okay. Let's just say that. Are you meeting the standard that you set for yourself? And the answer is for most of us, we don't. So we should be very careful because the same mess that brings us all together is the, same, is the lens through which we are able now to see God. It's because when we, we, we realize, you and I, that we are in a mess relationally, we can identify that there's other people, your neighbors, your coworkers, people you come in contact with in your circle of influence that are going through the very same thing. You are accountable to whoever sets the standards that you adopt. Okay, so let's say in your household, uh, your kids go to bed at 8 p.m. That's your kids. It would be foolish of you to call my house to make sure that my kids are in bed by 8 p.m. Because my kids go to bed at 7 p.m. Because mom and daddy need a life. Right? Or it would be, be silly. It would be like me calling your house to make sure your kids are doing their homework. That's none of my business. That's not the rules at my house. The rules at your house could be that children got to do X, Y, and Z, but it's different. Right? So I'm not going to hold you accountable to a set of laws that you never ascribe to follow. Right? So if you're not a Christian or you're deciding or you're following Jesus, I can't hold you to a standard that you never said you wanted to do. Right? You have your own standard, a universal law that we can't describe, which we'll talk about a little bit more. Verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous or in right standing in God's sight by the works of the law. So he's saying, listen, nobody's going to be called. I'm not going to look down and say, because you are doing uh, the works of the law. Let's just use the Ten Commandments. Most of us are familiar. Just because you're not doing these Ten Commandments doesn't mean that you are righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Through the law, we become aware that we fall short. Because there is a standard, now we are aware that the standard, that we're falling short of the standard. Are you following what I'm saying? The, the, the law doesn't or can't make you better. It reminds you that you are a mess. And keeping the law doesn't make you better. It just reminds you that God helped you clean up your mess. And we knew better and we did it anyway. Carrying the law in your minds doesn't make you better, but it does make you accountable. So you come to church and you hear the law of love, love God and love your neighbor, knowing that is not enough. Because now you are, you and I are accountable to, well, if that's what the Bible teaches and that's what scripture teaches and that's what I'm adopting and that's what I choose to believe. Now what am I going to do with what I heard? Because it's one thing to hear God, that I'm supposed to love God and I'm supposed to love the people around me and then not do nothing with it. 
And then we come a people who are just hearers of the word but never do anything. That's why I, one of the things I love about our church is that we try so hard to one another, one another. We try, and it's uncomfortable. And what I mean by that is we want another, one another, so we serve one another. And we try to give to one another. And we try to be there for one another. And we try to love one another. Because it's one thing to hear a message about I'm supposed to love, and then it's another message to get your butt out your seat and go babysit because that's what the other needs. Or get up out your seat and go help somebody move because that's what they need. Or get up out your seat and help somebody else's kid with their homework because you're better at the You know what I'm saying? One another, one another. And that's one of the things that I love about proximity. Now, the internal laws and rules that, that, that are in your conscience, uh, what they do is they make us aware of the fact that there is a standard there. Have you ever... Have you ever been in an argument with a coworker and then just realized that you shouldn't have said that? I shouldn't have said that. Or you were in an argument with a, with a child and, and you realized that you probably shouldn't have said that. And you probably weren't thinking of Jesus or God at the moment, right? It's not like you were like, God, you're my standard. No, I'm just trying to keep these, this person from dying that's smaller than me. And so in an effort not to, to, to strangle the child, I will do my best to use my words. <laughs> But you realize, you're like, wait a minute, I, I, there's a, got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And then three verses later, Paul sums it up like this. He says, for all have sinned. All in, in sin, uh, all missed the mark. All were walking in the wrong direction and have fallen short of God's standard or, or the glory of God. Awareness of our mess awakens us to something outside of us that we are accountable to. You are accountable. If, you, if you're a Christian, you're accountable to God. You're accountable to God for the way you spend your money. You're accountable to God for the ways you raise your kids. You're accountable to God for the way that you treat his children. You're accountable to God for what you do with your life. So don't waste your life. In the book, Mere Christianity, uh, C.S. Lewis writes a couple quotes, and hopefully uh, these will be helpful in understanding this. He says, uh, he, he describes it in the first chapter. He says, I see this dynamic playing out, and I'm almost done. I see this dynamic playing out when two people are quarreling. When two people, we don't use that word with our children, stop quarreling. No, he says stop fighting. But when, we, when they see two kids fighting, right? So C.S. Lewis is looking at people arguing, and he thinks this. He says, uh, when two people quarrel, it's like they, they say, well, that's not fair. And then the other person says, well, it is fair, right? And they're arguing. And, and then one person says, well, that's not just. And then the other person is, well, well, that is just. They have two different sets of standards, right? They, they have two different sets of what's right and what's wrong. And then, and then one on this side says, well, you're being too sensitive. Well, no, on this side, well, I'm, I'm being just right when it comes to my sensitivity. Thank you very much, Right? And, and you, you, you're not paying enough attention to me. I'm paying all the attention in the world to you, woman or man. Right? So C.S. Lewis looks at this dynamic and he says, wait a minute. There is something going on with these two people that I need to understand. And one of the things that he writes in Mere Christianity, he says this, and hopefully this will help you understand. He says, the law of gravity tells you what a stone Okay, the law of gravity tells you what stones do if, they, if you drop them. But the law of human nature tells what human beings ought to do but don't. 
So there is this law of humanity that we call God, right? There's this law happening that we fall short of, right? And we don't, know, we don't do. He says in another part, he says, human beings all over the earth have this curious idea that they ought to behave in a certain way and cannot really get rid of it. What an awesome thought, right? Think about your, your, when you were at your worst, relationally, financially, when you were at your worst uh, in any capacity. And there was a standard, right, that you felt you weren't, you, you weren't doing enough or you, can, you needed to get out of what you were doing and strive towards something better. That is that standard. You were trying to leave the mess. Finally, he says, there's something above, and I love this, and beyond the ordinary facts of men's behavior and yet quite definitely real, a real law which no, none of us made, but which we find pressing on us. Isn't that the truth? There's this thing innately inside of us. Before we adopt the Bible, before we adopt Jesus even, there's this thing at work that says you ought to. Or it says, man, you, you should not molest a child, right? You should not abuse a woman. You should treat them with courtesy. You should love. That doesn't come Naturally, look at your children. They lie, they yell, they punch and say they didn't do it. They'll throw milk all across the room. And I didn't do anything. No, they lie. Kids are evil. Right? You're born like naughty. Yes or no? Watch my kids. Right? They are born naughty. So you don't, we learn, it's not like this is a learned behavior, man. You come out the womb just throwing stuff. But along the way, whether or not you grab a hold of the Christian faith and believe in the resurrection of Jesus, there is something pressing on you that we identify as God. So if you've ever acknowledged through your mess or your pain that there's something bigger than you, you're just a step away from acknowledging the existence of God. And if you already acknowledge the existence of God and you're like, How? This, yeah, I believe in God. That's why I'm here. <laughs> right? I'm already here. Then you should be... There should be, this security should rise up in you that you're putting your faith in the right direction. That there is an invisible God that is, uh, that is involved in the happenings of the world. That we are not by ourselves. That there, is, that there is a God that's helping us with our decisions. Helping us with our jobs. Helping us in our marriage. That there is a personal God. Once we acknowledge our messes, we are baby steps away from acknowledging God. So the moral of our story today if I call this story, it says we all have something in common. All of us in this room. And we all look nice on the outside. But if you look close enough, we all have messes, right? We all have messes. The thing that you have in common with the person or the group you secretly hate is the fact that you could look at them and say, me too. Think about the person that you get along with the least and you have something in common with them. And it's the fact that you too, you can say me too. I've heard me too. Somebody's lied to me. I feel I've experienced the very same thing. I hurt, you hurt. I love, you love. I'm disappointed, you've been disappointed. But God's grace has always been there for us. The way the, 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 the we may be related factor is that we all fall short. I remember Larry t uh, talking to us about this one time when we were having dinner. He was like, listen, we share in this humanness, right? We're all sharing this experience of life, right? And, and, and we have more in common with our neighbor than we think. 
And we shouldn't allow uh, pages in the Bible to divide us. We shouldn't allow hurdles to divide us. We shouldn't allow preferences and differences, all these things to divide us. We should look at the person eye to eye and say, we have something in common. And that is that we are all in a mess. I know a mess when I see one because I've been one. So here's a couple ideas as we close. And you can put them up one at a time, Kate, please. Oh, no, not Kate. Just kidding, Josh. Uh, if you can see your mess, then you can see God. To recognize one is to acknowledge the other. When we acknowledge our mess, we acknowledge a standard outside of us. This points to God and our accountability to him. And this is what we do with it. We acknowledge that we do in fact mess up and are unable to measure up to ourselves, to other people, and ultimately God. And why does this matter? It allows us to see other people more compassionately and see our need for God more clearly. Listen, if your mess could teach you anything, it's to love a little more. If, you, if your mess in your life internally could teach you anything, it's to be a little bit more compassionate. It's to give a little bit more. It's to overlook some of the exterior things and, and, and notice what's happening on the inside. It's to remove that plank from our eyes so that we can see clearly what's happening in the lives of other people and have a little bit more compassion. And then when you fall short, say, I'm not perfect. And by saying you're not perfect, acknowledging that there is perfection that we can achieve. Let me pray for you. Will you stand to your feet? So what do we do with that, Hav? Well, you leave this place, and the next person you come in contact with, you take a step back, and before you make any judgments, you look at yourself and say, I'm a mess too. You look at somebody else who appears to have life together and everything in order, and you just take a step back and know that they don't. And then you're more gracious, and then you're more loving, and then you're more like Jesus when you do that. So that's our goal. Sometimes it starts with the person right next to us. It starts with our husband and our wives. It starts with our children. We don't know what's happening on the inside, so we have to be full of grace and mercy. We don't know what the other person is overcoming or going through, so we are tactful in our approach, and we are loving in the things that we say. God, may we be a people that love your children the way you do, that don't get caught up in differences, but are intentional about the way we love. Help us to always point them to you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We love you today. Help us as we engage with people to honor you in everything we say and everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Amen. Thank you, Quincy. All right, guys, you can have a seat one last time. Getting ready to get out of here. So listen, let's be a people that, that does and not just here. Can we do that together as a body? When you go meet somebody out in the street, take a step back and say, I've been there. Or if I'm, I haven't been there, I may be there one day. And whatever grace you want to receive is the same grace you got to give.
Because whatever we sow, we reap. So if you, re if you sow criticism, if you sow hate, if you sow discord, if you sow separation, then we reap that. But if you sow giving and love and acceptance when you need it, it'll be there for you. God bless you. We love. Yeah. Ladies, thank you. Boom, boom, boom. You want to announce it? Come here, girl. Give it up for Joanne. So once a month, we like to get together, uh, all the ladies, so that we can fellowship, just have some time together, get to know each other. So hubbies and families, if you can help us with watching the kiddos uh, or uh, sharing your wives or the ladies for an hour. So we're going to meet at the Panera right here on Summeron. Um, and so if you guys want to join us just to get to know some other ladies, definitely helps us to feel more like we belong when we know people by name and spend some time together. Awesome, awesome. So, so husbands, we're going to do this. So right, yeah, so right now after service uh, is, is the time at noon. Is that when you're doing it? Noon? Okay, so at noon, as, as soon as you leave here, husbands, take the kids, uh, and let the girls go, have some fun, and fellowship with each other, okay? Love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Peace.